the masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you thoroughly tested every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Zayas Where would we be without THC? side chatters we've seen by now that the arrogance and greed of the power elite knows no bounds from the harmful petrochemicals seeping into everything to the education system crafted to keep us down it's not a stretch to say we are under attack both mentally and physically and have been for decades there's just no other way for me to categorize things like fluoridated water and roundup resistant crops vaccine damaged children and cancer cures suppressed in exchange for poisons when you do the research, the answers become pretty cut and dry, and as a result, I wouldn't put anything past the nefarious few, but one area of the conspiracy pie I still find full of complexity and uncertainty is geoengineering. It's clear from the laundry list of documented military projects that weather manipulation, cloud seeding, and ionosphere heating can be done, and that poisons have been dropped from the sky. But are these just defunct programs and campaigns carried out during wartime, or do we have routine chemical dropping and massive antenna arrays aimed at attaining an ironclad grip on this island Earth and the people of the planet? Well, today I'm hoping we can sift through the paper trail and the paranoia and find the truth in what I consider to be one of the most complex and quite possibly most important conspiratorial topics before us today. And with us to take that journey is Matt Landman, a passionate activist who's dedicated himself to the big geoengineering questions and educating the masses on the answers. He's worked to organize the Global Chemtrail Summit for its second year in a row, where he's given great presentations on his findings, and he's also released a new documentary about the problem called Frankenskies, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's a conspiracy of epic proportions, and I can't wait to get into it. The Chemtrail Research King of the West Coast, Matt, my man. Welcome to the higher side. Thank you, Greg. What an amazing introduction. You're the man. Thank you. Yeah, you got it, man. I try. I try. And uh, I'm really happy that you're here. I do appreciate the early viewing of Frankenskies. I think you have a really great, well-made, professional-grade documentary that does a great job of breaking down all this stuff. I do find geoengineering, chemtrailing, and the whole climate change issue to be some of the most difficult material to feel confident in because our planet's ecosystem is so complex. And I guess to kick this off, with there being so many different areas of conspiracy research and activists could focus on, what was it about this topic that drove you to be the chemtrail guy? Well, to be completely honest with you, it was the complete lack of information out there. And I felt like I was awake. And then I woke up to chemtrails. Mm -hmm. Okay, so to feel like that I knew it all. And then to realize that I didn't know anything about these persistent linear cirrus cloud formations that were over my head for most of my adult life, it really was a kick in the face, you know? Mm -hmm. And I went to my friends and family and colleagues and I said, do you know about this? You know about chemtrails? You seen these lines in the sky? And nobody knew about it. So at that point, I knew that, or I decided to devote my life to exposing it and bringing it to people's attention because so few knew that it even existed. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, man. 
I agree. It is important, and chemtrails are also a bit of a running joke to people who want to put us down. It's one of the go-to terms that people use to mock conspiracy folks, and even mentioning chemtrails is one of the quickest ways to get an eye roll, unfortunately. So it is important that we figure this stuff out. And so I usually like to start with the history when we can, because sometimes these crazy conspiracy pills can be hard to swallow if we just dive straight into what's going on now. But when you break down the path that got us here, it usually becomes a lot easier to follow the trail and connect those dots. So for those who might still be on the fence in terms of what's possible in this area, there is actually a long list of projects and military operations going back decades. And how far back were you able to take this general idea of weather manipulation? Where does it all start? Well, well, first off, I love that you said the eye rolls because I do a lot of grassroots activism and just the term chemtrails, people chuckle because they've been programmed to laugh at you. I mean, the, they've done a really good job. Yeah. So let's see. So it's, so all the way back, you're in San Diego, so I'd love to talk about San Diego. Back in 1916, okay, a, a century ago, 1916, this scientist, Professor Hatfield, he was hired to research if he could make it rain because in 1916, San Diego was experiencing pretty severe drought. As you know, it's a desert oasis down there. Usually it doesn't get much rain. Mm -hmm. And Hatfield, he was paid by the county of San Diego to see if he could make it rain. He went up on a tower. He built a tower a couple hundred feet tall. He went up and developed a proprietary chemical concoction, primarily silver iodide, we've learned, and he sprayed it into the sky. It created a torrential downpour, flooded and bursted the dams. The city of San Diego went to him and said, you caused this, and they fined him and sued him and held him responsible, even though they're asking him to make it rain, they didn't want him to make it rain that much. So all the way back then, this experimentation and research into weather modification started. And from there, it evolved. Of course, the military got their hands on it. And all the way back to the 30s, they started researching on experimenting with hurricanes and making it rain and not rain. And then when we got to Vietnam, they had perfected their weather weapon, their war weapon, and they flooded the Ho Chi Minh Trail. They flooded it, making it monsoon. They made the monsoon season a little early, and it came dumping on the Ho Chi Minh Trail, their trade route in Vietnam, and they used weather as a weapon, which prompted Russia and the rest of the world to make the international treaty against using weather as a weapon because they saw what the U.S. had done. And even then, they used biological chemtrail as well with Agent Orange. So it goes all the way back there. There's an endless amount, if you really start digging, of government, military operations where they've experimented with biological, with weather contaminations, and yeah, you name it. So yeah, it goes really far back. So people that are new to it and they, they think, wait, excuse me, you're trying to tell me the government does what? It's better for them to see the history of it, to see the evolution, to really grasp it. Absolutely. And I do love that San Diego story. I've had guests talk about that before a little bit. And it's always kind of 
with an air of mystery. Like, how did he actually do this? No one really knows. But then it's quite practical, I guess, when you get back into cloud seeding with silver. I mean, we know that now makes it rain. So it's a little less mysterious when you actually know that information and track geoengineering and weather manipulation and cloud seeding through the ages. I mean, that is just what he was doing. I guess he was just ahead of his time. But your documentary does throw out so many military projects, Project Cirrus, Project Skyfire, Operation Ranch Hand, Project Popeye. I mean, all through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, this was really on the forefront of the military's mind, it seems. And uh, also, there's a paper trail of patents that's quite telling too, right? I mean, you can get some serious insight from looking at what the Air Force has in the patent area on the technological side of these campaigns, right? Well, the patents are really, really telling, in my opinion, because you patent something after you create the technology so that someone else can't take it. You don't come up with the idea and then patent it, right? You have the technology in place. And so if you do you know, your due diligence and do a little research, you find patented barium release rockets from even the late 70s, where these rockets were being launched in the atmosphere, releasing barium to create ionized cloud formations. And then now, I mean, I could go on, I could take the whole show talking about the patents <laughs> is what's really, it's really discerning. So here's the deal. Over the past three years, the patents have exponentially come out. And this globalist group, they have, through Warren Buffett, and Bill Gates. Bill Gates privately funds a lot of this. He even specifically says, no, not Bill Gates, Melinda Gates Foundation. These are my private donations of tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, but still private donations to this geoengineering weather manipulation scheme where they come up with the patents and then they use those patents to, to save us, right? Well, at Buffett in Chicago, there is the university, it's slipping my mind. Um, okay, so in Chicago, they have developed this framework where the patenting of geoengineering inventions, they claim, needs a complete revamp. They say that so many geoengineering patents have come out in the past three years that they don't need to go through the patent pool process. They claim that the people at the patent office don't have the scientific background to understand the patents enough, and also they need to be able to push the patents through to deployment immediately without any approval because, they quote, have exclusive rights to saving the planet. Hmm. This is a literal paper that came out, and they claim that the scientists have the exclusive rights to saving the planet through geoengineering patents. So in the past, yes, there was all these patents and they were public and they're coming out talking about how to manipulate the stratosphere by creating fake clouds, okay? And they're by the dozens. But I have a chart that I like to show at some of these presentations. And what it shows is this exponential increase of these patents that have come out over the past few years that are hyper complex on different chemicals to create different clouds essentially to block out the sun hmm. 
so yeah, the, the paper trail is there and it's really, really obvious. The ones that are a decade or two old are easier to access and easier to understand. These new ones involve space technology and using different chemicals. And all we can really do is find the chemicals in our rainwater and then reverse engineer and research those chemicals and find the patents that relate to it and realize that they're already using them in the atmosphere. It's, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty wild. And different crazy things are coming up in the water, like terbium, which is a very rare Earth element that's only used in plasma televisions. This is coming up in the rainwater. So these patents are getting beyond, I mean, it's just reaching this level of complexity and science where it doesn't even go through the patent office anymore. So the paper trails is gone, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they're just pushing it to implementation and we just get to kind of try to research it on our own and figure out what they're doing to our skies instead of even being told what's going on. Yeah, man, it really does seem like the research community in this area is always playing catch up and it's getting harder and harder because it is getting so wild. And let's maybe talk about the agenda a little bit, because nothing the elite have ever really done has been for our benefit. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but this is their planet, too. So sometimes I do get sucked into that argument that it's possible that they're trying to keep us all from dying off. But. I don't know. You mentioned the agenda is to block out the sun. What do you think that does for them? Why would they want to block out the sun? Of course, I know these campaigns are usually multifaceted, but what's the reason for that specific goal? Well, it just really depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go, right? I've Let's get deep. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, what they're pitching to us is that Global warming is here, and to save us from global warming, they need to slow down the heating of the planet by blocking out our sun. But when they do this, they're actually trapping heat, and they're actually causing global warming. And then they zap these nanoparticulate metals that they spray in the atmosphere, and they zap it with these ionospheric heaters. So they have these ionospheric heaters, and they heat the ionosphere once they metallicize it. And if you want to talk about global warming, you, you have to talk about ionospheric heating or you're, or you're totally missing the point. They're heating our atmosphere. So, so first of all, we've got to start there. But they claim that we need to block out the sun to save us from global warming. Well, that's a complete fallacy. So the agenda there is so multifaceted. Well, it's complete and total dominance and full spectrum control. So they get to dictate who gets sunlight, who gets rain, who gets softball size hail, you know, and if you've got enough money, you can pay for sunlight. So ultimately, we've got this dystopian future where only the super elite can afford to buy sunny days. Okay, so they have complete and total control. That's one thing. But also, ultimately, they're blocking out our source. I personally believe that the sun has a frequency, that we get this frequency in the morning, we get this frequency at night from the moon. It's really complicated, but I, th I think 
that the evolution of humanity somehow corresponds and is activated by sunlight. So we get this frequency during the sunrise, during the sunset, with this orange glowing light. And that humanity is going through an evolution of sorts. And that this evolution is being stopped by blocking out our sun. And so we end up with this silver light that is more like the moonlight and less like the golden sunlight of our childhood. And I think it's it's messing with our DNA. I think we have an evolving DNA that is ultimately being messed with, okay? This is all just hypothesis at this time, right? Like there's, it's, it's so multifaceted. And that's the thing when you're doing the activism, people wanna know who, what, why, where, when. If they can't sink their teeth into all of that stuff, then the cognitive dissonance comes in and they don't really wanna discuss it because they can't wrap their head around it if they can't come to a realization and then explain it to their friends, then it's pointless to them, right? Right, yeah. So if they can't get all of the details, then they want to move on and not even listen to you. And it's not like it's being advertised. So you really, you're, you, it's kind of a catch-22 to create that standard to accept this kind of stuff because it's never going to happen. And... I just wanted to say that I have had some guests who talk about an agenda to make everyone sterile, and then in the future, people will be able to purchase the ability to have children. If you have money, you can go and uh, get the process done. And you could almost say there could be a parallel campaign to charge for and control who gets the health benefits and vitamin D of what used to be available to everyone. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Everybody used to be able to have kids, but in this future dystopia, they're going to tightly regulate that and you're going to have to pay for that privilege. And you could also say possibly it'd be very ambitious, but they could be doing something similar with sunlight itself or the health benefits of uh, good weather or whatever. Yeah, it, that's that's an interesting point. So one thing to talk about really quick is when I do talk to people and they want to know all the details, the simple explanation is, look, Monsanto is in bed with the politicians. They're in bed with the military industrial complex. Monsanto has the patents on aluminum resistant genetics. Mm. Okay. Monsanto also has the patents on these tweaked versions of human DNA, which is very interesting if you want to go down there. But ultimately, the dystopian future that we're looking at is you've got so much Roundup sprayed on everything that only Monsanto's plants can grow. You've got so much aluminum falling out of the sky, okay, that, so let's back up. So silver, when you spray silver in the atmosphere, you can make it rain because the water particles will couple to the silver and then the water will fall. It's called cloud seeding. When you spray aluminum, the, the water particles actually dissipate and you can make it not rain. They've also learned that by spraying the silver, they can reflect the sunlight back into space. It's part of their solar radiation management agenda, SRM, also called stratospheric aerosol injections, SAI. By putting all this aluminum in the atmosphere, it, some of it rains down on us. You see all these plants dying. There's a lot of crop failures and tree die-offs, especially in the Pacific Northwest. 
the aluminum restricts the water uptake into the plants and is killing these plants, okay? So imagine a dystopian future where the soil is toxic with the levels of aluminum because we're getting sprayed with aluminum on almost a daily basis now. So Monsanto has the genetic patents to aluminum-resistant seeds. So in the future, the only plants that will grow are Monsanto's seeds because they are aluminum-resistant and they're resistant to the glyphosate and all the other pesticides and whatnot that are being put in the soil. So in this dystopian future, only Monsanto's seeds will grow. Mm. Okay, that's, that's one easy thing for people to identify with and sink their teeth into. It's just like follow the money. You've got this greedy corporation, Monsanto, who has now been bought by Bayer, which is the drug company. So the company that's making you sick will actually be the one giving you the medicine. Of course. And then that same company is going to be the one selling you the seed, the only seeds that will grow. And then also they're in bed with the companies that dictate whether or not you get any sunlight whatsoever. <laughs> so it's this full spectrum dominance. They'll be in control of the quality of your air. They'll be in control of whether or not you get sun and whether or not you get rain and whether or not your rain is full of metals. And so ultimately, the control of the food chain, the control of the weather, it's just greed and control. We can go on these esoteric discussions of the evolution of humanity and these greedy reptilians that, that you know, want to control the, the paradigm on earth and, and frame everything here so that they maintain this vibration and all this stuff, you know, but none of this is as tangible as people really want. Right. It's really tangible and easy to tell people that it's a few evil corporations that are in bed with the military industrial complex that are controlling the weather. And, and the patents really prove it, right? If you go back to the aluminum resistant genetics and the aluminum sprayed clouds, it all makes sense that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, it is a, it's a lot of information for sure. And let's talk a little bit more about the science and the actual chemicals involved. You told us about the silver injections and the aluminum injections and how they attract or repel rain. But what about the effects of barium and strontium, the two other chemicals I always hear associated with this kind of material? Well, first of all, I want to talk about waking people up to it all. There are patents on barium release rockets. And what I've noticed is when you finally do get a clear blue sky, most of the time nowadays, that clear blue sky is just a clearing of their canvas because their laboratory is the sky and they want to start with a clean slate. <laughs> After the blue sky, you'll get the barium release rockets. These are plain looking things in the sky that have a very suspicious looking trajectory. If you didn't know better, you would say that the line might look like it's actually going up like a rocket, but then your brain tells you, no, 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 that can't be a rocket, that's just a plane. The persistent linear cirrus cloud formation, it dissipates rather quickly, okay? And I'm under this, the school of thought now that contrails do not exist whatsoever, that, that this entire con has been devised by the CIA, the military industrial complex, to frame our entire dialogue about it. That mm. contrail, chemtrail, that the contrails 
that form are because of additives in the fuel or they're barium release rockets and what have you. So after your clear blue sky, you'll see these primers. I call them primer planes, primer jets, primer rockets, primer drones. They come out in full force and they have a shorter trail behind them. And once they have primed the sky with barium for a couple days, which barium is highly toxic, okay? It gives people asthma. This is why we have all of these respiratory issues. The barium fact sheet is very, very, it's very scary, okay? And what you see in the sky once they've gotten enough barium up there are these rare halos around the sun. These halos are circle sun dogs around the sun. The refractory index of water, when sunlight hits water, it refracts and forms not a halo, but a rainbow. That has been how it always has been. Sunlight hits water and it arches into a rainbow formation. These rare sun dog halos we're now seeing over the sun are from barium because of the refractory index of barium calls for a halo. So they'll prime the sky. Your sky will start getting into less blue into a silver haze. And then literally, I've been able to tell my non-believer friends, I'll say, well, they've been at it for two days priming the sky. I can guarantee you tomorrow we have a grid pattern in our sky. And then they say, how can you possibly know that? And I'll say, let's just wait till tomorrow and I'll explain. Hmm. And then they come and they grid the sky with the other chemicals that react with the barium, the strontium and the aluminum. And then this chemical reaction in our sky using the sky as a laboratory, that's a NASA quote, using the atmosphere as a laboratory, these chemicals interact and they become radioactive and they can stay up in the sky longer because they're plasmified. Now, also, you can see sometimes a long chemtrail being laid out, and alongside it, you'll see the shorter primer jets coming to mix the chemical right by side by side with it. Okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's them putting two chemicals next to each other to create the chemical reaction in the sky because ultimately they can't spread out one chemical and then have another chemical come and, and add to it in their big science experiment unless they layer it the right way, right? So if you start looking at the sky the right way and, and discern and go back in your memory bank and remember, wait, I've actually seen a lot of planes fly over with nothing coming out of the back. Right. That is true. But for me, I still, um, I guess... The thing people say to cast doubt is that they say, well, it just depends on obviously the conditions, the moisture in the air, the humidity and the altitude of the plane. And I'm too dumb to know if that's legitimate or not, because it seems like that sounds like good science or sounds like a rational possibility. I mean, I don't doubt this is happening, but I also am not sure if it's possible for a plane to make a, a natural trail of any kind. Right, and you're not an atmospheric scientist, so that's when the cognitive dissonance comes in and you build these brick walls. So to that, I rebuttal, well, how about this? Like, I know you're near an airport, so this doesn't really count for you, but people that don't live right next to the airport, there are days that go by where you don't see any air traffic or you see sparse air traffic. This is how I totally woke up to chemtrails. I was working on a farm up in Northern California, and what I witnessed 
where I would have a, a complete day go by. I'm working on a farm and I see a couple small little airplanes go by with no trails. But then some days, dozens of planes show up together. And it's, it's a statistically significant uptick in air traffic itself. Mm-hmm. So let's just ignore the trails, you know? Like if we're new to this and we're waking up to it and we're like, well, I'm not a scientist. I don't know what the atmospheric humidity conditions are. And if I look it up online, they tell me that the barometric pressure and the moisture levels and the altitude and the temperatures and all this stuff, you know, it's really confusing, right? Let's just talk about air traffic in and of itself. Some days you have very sparse air traffic or none at all. And some days you see dozens of planes per hour gridding the sky. Mm-hmm. That in it of itself is enough to wake people up. Right. I mean, hell yeah, man. And I don't put anything past the elite. I just, um, I don't like to spout off too much about a particular topic until I have those rebuttals ready because conspiracy folks are notorious for doing that. And I want to kind of, you know, help instead of hurt. But when you mention fuel additives, that is not something that surprises me at all because I think the oil industry is at the heart of uh, so many problems and they have their sticky little fingers and tentacles in all the areas of the conspiracy pie. And it's so easy for them to add these chemicals and no one will know anything about it. And that's how it could get into the commercial jetliner industry. And we all know the whole, um, you know, airplane transportation industry is quasi governmental. I mean, they share all the same airports, they're private companies, yet the TSA is there. And it is a nexus of uh, fascism, really, of government and corporate power coming together. But that is a perfect hotbed for this type of experimentation and getting this kind of thing done. I mean, they have all the conditions right there to carry out these kind of campaigns. Very true. And I mean, not to get too off topic, but I've had so I've got this activist base. I've got a lot of activists that reach out to me. And recently I had an activist reach out to me from Europe and they said that Ryanair, there's a company Ryanair out of Europe that has $9 flights. Okay. $9 flights. You can fly in Europe and they are under the opinion that these airlines are being completely funded through this program that they literally aren't even making their money off of seats that they're getting paid essentially to outfit their jets and to spray the skies. Virgin Airlines is one of the primary funders of the Solar Radiation Management Governance Initiative. They fund David Keith, the primary solar geoengineer at Harvard, and they're outfitting their planes to be able to release these chemicals. Okay, but none of this is necessarily proven, so we can stick to n- some some tangibles. But I, I don't doubt that it's it's such a large conspiracy that a lot of people cannot sink their teeth into it, especially when you start talking about all of the airlines are involved, and even in, when you get into holographic technology and all this stuff, it's just so beyond people that it's easy to just turn away and say you're crazy. Well, let me ask you, how do you think holographic technology comes into play here? My opinion? Okay, so what I've witnessed is I was living in Oregon 
last year. And I witnessed trails very low to the ground, and I witnessed invisible planes, mm-hmm. okay, where there was nothing in front of the trail, but, but something must have been there because something was being sprayed. And then when the planes went into a heavily hazy area where you would assume there would be less visibility, all of a sudden the plane would appear. And every single time a plane appeared like this, it was a very, very flat image, and it read on the bottom Emirates, Hmm. like United Arab Emirates or Emirates Airlines or something like that. And it was, it was very interesting to me. So I started doing this research on Emirates and I started finding these different posts online of, of holographic or what is, what is claimed to be holographic technology and orbs spraying, which is very interesting. Yeah. And really it's just, the, you know, I'll just go there because I know you have a lot of cool users that are, that are awake. Fuck yeah. Okay. It seems like there is an agenda that is beyond the U.S. military-industrial complex. It seems like there is technology that has been garnered from outside of our realm of belief. Okay, you've got planes that don't look like planes that just like look like circular orbs, and they're zigzagging the sky and spraying really low to the ground, especially over the UK, which is really interesting. I've got a lot of people from Ireland and the UK sending me unbelievable footage. So in the sequel, I've got Frankenskies now, and then Frankenskies 2, we'll, we'll dig deeper into this and talk about the orbs and the biological and the Morgellons and all this sort of other stuff. The first film is just to start the conversation. It's to open people's eyes, especially people that are brand new to this. So I would never go down that path and start talking about orbs and transdimensional, interdimensional mm-hmm. species that are that are trying to dictate the vibration in which the human species lives in in the first film. <laughs> no. But the second the second one is gonna explore these possibilities. There are people that are being exposed to chemtrails and they claim that these fibers, these intelligent, non-human fibers growing out of their skin are related to the aerosol spraying, right? That's something that needs to be discussed. These are conversations that need to be had. People are witnessing really, really wild out there things in their skies that honestly, their brains cannot comprehend. So I'll tell you a quick story. I met a woman, a very nice woman, and we were discussing the turn of events that day. I said, did you see the sky today? And she's like, Matt, I went and saw one of your presentations. I had no idea that we got sprayed like that here. I started looking up, and I saw the most crazy chemtrails today, the grid pattern, this and that, really low to the sky. All of a sudden, the sky was a white haze. And I said, yeah, what else did you see? And she you know, goes into it a little more, telling me, telling me, telling me. And I go, you know what I saw? What's that? And I said, I saw a black line shooting out of the nose of what I thought was a little drone. Hmm. And she says, I saw that too. 
And I say to the lady, well, how come you didn't tell me about it just now? Why, did, why wouldn't you tell me about it? And she said, I forgot. And we start digging deeper into it. And her brain put it on the shelf, right? Her cognitive dissonance got in the way. Even though she's pretty awake, she still didn't think it was anything noteworthy. And her brain shelved it as, it's a shadow. Don't worry about it. Don't even remember this. Okay. But once I brought it up, she said, whoa, it was actually really crazy because it looked like that the nose of the plane was shooting a black line out into the horizon. All right. And what it is to me, I have no doubt that people are witnessing some extremely out of this world things. But a lot of people because of the way that we're socially engineered and our peers and people fear have all these fears and they don't want to talk about it already, that there is a literal mental block. Mm -hmm. There's a claim that when Columbus came over, the Nina Pinta Santa Maria, that not all of the natives on the shore could even see these massive boats because they had no mental construct to identify these things. Right. They couldn't process it. Right, exactly. And I believe that that's something that we're going through now. I mean, you and I must know people that even if the chemtrails were at ground level, even if there were spaceships out there spraying these things, that they would see it and say that that could not happen. There must be some sort of air show going on. You know, like they would never there's things that people refuse to believe. And I think that that's something that we're up against right now. Absolutely, man. And. I do really get intrigued by what seems to be the cutting edge of chemtrail geoengineering research. We've had guests like Harold Kautzvela and Sophia Smallstorm talking about the biological aspects, talking about mind manipulation or the Morgellons thing or the idea of nanobots and this transhumanist agenda that we're actually having the air filled with nanobots for us to breathe in so they could eventually be switched on. Of course, all this also ties into Wi-Fi frequencies, ties into the 3, 4, 5G cell phone frequencies. They're amping that up. Some people have suggested that's experimentation, that each iteration is going somewhere other than better cell phone signals, and it's not going to be good for us. And I really do think there's a, a real big soup of all these technologies that could possibly be working towards some super dark agenda like the zombification, the androidification of humanity. Well, I do, I do believe you're correct. And it's really, it's really beyond hypothesizing right now because it's in the forefront. So we've got Elon Musk, okay? Elon Musk won over the hearts of America with his SpaceX and his Solar City and his Tesla cars. And he is viewed as an innovator, this Elon Musk. So he, I mean, the SpaceX, he, he takes video of a rocket taking off. He puts it in reverse and says, look, we can land rockets on Mars, right? And then all of a sudden, this Elon Musk is pushing this transhumanism agenda. He claims if we don't become artificially intelligent and part robot, that artificial intelligence will overcome us, which is actually a very weird, twisted oxymoron 
he's claiming that if we don't advance AI, that AI will advance to the point that it'll overcome humanity and we will become house pets. So here's what I see is going on there. And the agenda, it's all interconnected. That's one thing that people need to know. And that's one thing I want to encourage the activist community. I really want to make activism cool and, and help the youth understand how important it is to become awake and to see the truth because the truth is is as a frequency you know and once you're awake to truth all of it is truth you know you Mm -hmm. can't be half pregnant right (laughs) you can't be a half truther so it's all correlated the same attack on the youth that involves the chemtrails involves the vaccines involves the transhumanism and here's what i see as the transhumanism agenda they through elon musk they're pitching this Mars exploration. Right. Okay? They claim that we're going to be going to and exploring Mars and they're going to make it this pop culture television show where if you're cool enough, you'll be voted to go be one of the first people to Mars. But how are you going to be cool enough to go to Mars? Well, you have to be able to breathe their atmosphere and you have to be able to live longer and you have to be able to be half robot. So first, let's put this chip in your brain, then we'll put this chip in your arm, and then we're going to plug you into this Neuralink. Elon Musk has this new company coming out, Neuralink, where you literally plug in your Ethernet cord to your jugular, into your throat. Shit. And so they're ultimately pushing they're pushing this Borg, you know, if you're familiar with Star Trek, this Borg, this unified technology where everybody's under this umbrella where we all have shared thoughts shared memories where we're all on this intranet where we're all together and we're all part machine part biological and we probably won't even die so they're all avoiding this spiritual talk of a soul or anything like that and they're going into this dystopian future that they're pushing full scale. And I think that the chemtrail agenda is all connected because there isn't a firm thing that they're spraying us with. It's not just aluminum. It's not just sulfuric acid to block out the sun. There are highly complex carbon nanotubes. And these carbon nanotubes have this advanced technology that is otherworldly. And once you are subjected to it, it assimilates and alters your DNA. Okay, so there's a dystopian future where, where 5G gets turned on. And 5G is, is very, very, very weaponized. It is, it is an attack on everything that we know as humans. The 5G will literally make us into robots because the internet of things, our dishwasher is going to be pulsing this frequency. If you've ever lived with a smart meter and actually realized what these things are doing, it's, it's this agenda but pushed to an infinite realm where everybody is plugged in but not on the internet through a neural network where we all share the same information and memories, right? And these robotic, half-human, half-artificial intelligence, this agenda is being pushed through 
the chemtrails, through the vaccines, even through the poisoning of our food. They're coming up with new pesticides that are nano webbing technology and it, it's it's all integrated and it's it's all really dark. So really what we need is a push towards humanity. We need a revolution of humans to preserve the human, like the actual <laughs> human. You know, and right. it's it's actually really dark and weird. And the kids, they need to realize that upgrading to the next technological device and to completely evolve beyond our our physical self is not the direction that humanity needs to go. Like we need to take a step back and actually look at ourselves. I know I got off on a, a kind of a, tang <laughs> a tangent, but what I'm getting at is like we're not done evolving, right? right? We don't need to start putting robotic devices in ourselves. Like we're not done. Right. <laughs> Man, I, I like what you're saying. And this definitely escalated pretty quickly from cloud seeding to nanobots. But I do think there's something there. And I, I'm not a new agey guy, but when I hear these people talking, they're not wrong to say that we are light beings and that I do think different positions in the solar system based on the sun and certain other energies, I think they do have different effects. Us having, you know, different positions in the solar system having different effects, that's just astrology in a nutshell. And I think there's some validity there. So they really could be trying to counteract some positive space weather if they have the long cycles figured out. I mean, some kind of light activation. It sounds a little hokey, but I don't know. I hold the door open for that. But I did want to go back to the the idea that there are no contrails for a second, just because I do think that's possible. It could be a term that they put out just to confuse the issue. They have done that stuff before. They did it with the word conspiracy or the term conspiracy theorist. But I have heard that they're even going back to old movies like Jaws and Ferris Bueller to digitally add chemtrails to make people think these trails have always been just a natural part of commercial air travel. And that would be a very bold move. Have you been able to verify that with old copies of these or any other movies that are that have been in question? I have, and they did digitally remaster Jaws really? and put it, and put in chemtrails, and they do put in chemtrails into video games, yes, and into ch children's films, and they did just announce that there are twelve new cloud formations. They updated the cloud atlas to include all of these digitized harp frequency clouds and chemtrail clouds, and they are. The thing is, is that one thing that people do not want to accept is that the military industrial complex, this isn't just the CIA, these are globalist elitists that have no boundaries. It's not just the United States, okay? It's this elite group of evil beings, I'll call them, okay? Because I'm not even sure if they're human, but, you know, whatever. Well, we can't even go down there. I'm with you. They frame our not just our conversations, they frame our mental constructs, okay? And they do a really good job at it. They, I mean, it even goes back to the English language. The English language was hijacked. The music, the frequency at which we listen to our music was hijacked and weaponized. So, so really quick, I have these Rastafarian friends and they don't even say the word you. Y-O-U. Hmm. 
Hmm. And I asked them, why don't you say the word you? And it's because they know that that word was chosen because it is also the word for female sheep, E-W-E-U. So we're going way back to even when the English language was set up, and they know how powerful humans are, that when we spell things out, we're actually casting spells, and that our co-created reality is actually a really powerful thing. And so when you're saying you to person, you're really taking away their power by saying that they're a female sheep. When you say the word understand, the Rastas say overstand, because understand means you're standing but you're still underneath a boot of authority, right? Your right. word for comprehension isn't really a very powerful word. The word dedicate, they put the word dead in at front so that your word for commitment is already being killed by dead. The Rastas say livicate. So your mental constructs of every single thing are being framed, like this Hegelian dialectic, you know, Hegel, he, he determined, I mean, if you go back to Freud, right, and then his nephew, Edward Bernays, they knew and learned how to appease people and to develop their tastes, to develop their reasoning skills, to develop their conversation, to frame their conversations, to frame everything. So you get people and they're debating. I mean, you can take anything right now, like, like, I would love to talk about Trump for just a second because people are out there arguing over these framed arguments, okay? The media, the powers that be, they frame your arguments. Yep. So you've got two people thinking that they've came up with their opinion on something, whether it be Trump or him grabbing a vagina hey or now. whatever it may be and you've got one person that thinks that Trump is is good because of XYZ and you've got one person thinking Trump is bad because of ABC but but both of their mental constructs have been developed by controlled media right, right. and so these people are arguing about something and they don't even realize that their entire conversation has been framed and created by powers that are almost invisible to them. So the so the contrail, chemtrail, geoengineering debate, okay, they control the entire conversation. If you think that you're smart and you know about solar geoengineering and solar radiation management and and the albedo modification, and you know, you think you're so researched. It's because you've been fed this information. Like you said, the CIA created the word conspiracy theorist. If you are out there saying, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, and you're, oh, chemtrails, oh, Kim that's a conspiracy theory, you have been programmed not just to use the word conspiracy theory, but to also scoff at the word chemtrails. That entire conversation you have been socially engineered very, very precisely. It's very interesting and very complicated. And, it, and once you start digging deeper into that, everything as we know it has been controlled. I mean, I don't, I haven't, I, I want to listen to more of your shows. I, I've got so many people who love you so much wow. and, and, and I really appreciate what you do. 
And I can only assume that you've dug in to flat earth, right? <laughs> yes. So even our construct on earth, okay? I was was digging into this one day, right? And digging and we have a mutual friend, Ron Patton. Do you know Ron? Absolutely. Mr. Paranoia. Yeah, exactly. So I was telling Ron about an experience that I had, and I'll, and I'll just share it with you really briefly, is I was running through, on mushrooms, I was running through this flat earth theory in my head. Okay? <laughs> wow, and I was what a going, day. I was going through my entire life right and i was like well if it's if it's a total sham then what happened then where was i like what why didn't i ever think of this right and i went all the way back to my childhood and i was in a classroom and they the teacher was saying what do you want to be when you grow up and everybody's raising their hand and what was the best answer an astronaut right yeah and then they teach you that the people in europe who thought that the boats were going over the edge, that they were idiots. How could they be so dumb? See this globe? See this thing spinning? This is what's real, right? They don't give you any facts. They just tell you what the truth is. And then it went even deeper. And this is where, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard this one. I doubt you have. So I was told, and you said you're, you're from, oh, yes, you're, you're from St. Louis, so you would have heard this. So we were told, and this is at a very young age, so and it's all about like fear and shocking your mind. And if you learn about MK Ultra and mind control and manipulation of the masses, and you start watching the television through a new lens, it's really really obvious. They shock you with some fear, and then once your brainwave is in this state, then they tell you what to think. It's so simple, and the brain is really manipulatable. I mean, we are sponges. And we, we don't even know how easily programmed that we are. And at a very young age, I was told about slavery. And I felt guilty because I was white, right? And I was like, well, how could we have done that? That is so horrible. And then we're told about, who was it? Oh, Harriet Tubman. Okay, I'm on this tangent, sorry. So Har no Harriet Tubman, she took the slaves on the Underground Railroad, and she took them to freedom. Wow, what a hero. What, a, what an amazing person, you know? It's like mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you, you, were, you were put in this fear spot because you're such a horrible person for being white, but wait a second, she was a hero, and she was taking people in the dark at night, and then they would sing about her, about following the Underground Railroad and this beautiful thing, the Underground Railroad, but it's not really a railroad, and it's not really a trail, and it's not really underground. But what she did is she went outside of the night sky, and she sang it into her songs, and she told everybody to find the North Star. And that that North Star, Sirius, that that North Star equals freedom. Okay? So somewhere in our mental construct, while they're building our mental construct, they somehow, I don't know why, is, is it the karmic thing or, or if it's some sort of galactic court or something where they don't want to be fully responsible and they want to tell us without telling us. But while they were building our mental construct, they told us that the North Star equals freedom. But not freedom from slavery. It's freedom from mental slavery. 
It's freedom from our mental slavery, which is just, it's just wild, right? So, so I'm like, what is that? What are you talking about? Mushrooms? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> right? And I'm like, because I mean, if I really wasn't, you know, I hadn't eaten that much. But, but it was what was wild is a month later, someone contacted me and said, Matt, the mushrooms will tell you the truth about flat earth. And I'm like, wow, as a matter of fact, I know. <laughs> and so what they told what they said, and, and I'm like, I mean, I'm not, you know, totally out there or anything. But but you know, sometimes the time comes when you're with some friends and you want to, you know, it's a plant, whatever. And, and they are really knowledgeable. Hey, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> right. That's one thing that I did hear about you is you're is you're cool <laughs> like that. So 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 what I'm getting at is Sirius, the North Star. It has never moved. In the history of humanity, this thing does not move. But I thought we were spinning. I thought we were at a tilt and we were spinning on a wobble while orbiting the earth and this is the key elliptically we're elliptically i mean the sun we're elliptically orbiting the sun while spinning while wobbling while blasting through space so you're telling me the history of humanity with all of this motion and wobbling and spinning and an elliptical path around the sun that the north star does not move I know, man. And it's so confusing because if you say that to some people, they'll say, well, the official answer to that is that Polaris isn't always the North Star, that it used to be Vega. And I mean, how can I verify that? I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, if, if we are in the model that is proposed, it would have to change. So potentially, but I wasn't around. I don't know anybody who was. So Maybe they called the star something different. Maybe it had a different name for that dot of light. I don't know. So it is very confusing. And you see these um, time-lapse these time lapse videos of the stars, and they do just seem to be going in one circle, not in some kind of like spiral motion. That You'd think that the path of the stars would look more like a stretched-out slinky if we were really rotating and orbiting. I just don't know. I'm too stupid to figure it out. <laughs> So, so, so either way, you know, that's just food for thought. And thanks for letting me go on that tangent. But one thing that I do know is Operation Mockingbird is real. The CIA came out and with this Operation Mockingbird, they wanted to make sure that everything that the, U, that the public thought was not true. And there's a quote from... The, from a CIA director that was part of the Mockingbird, and I don't have it in front of me, but what he essentially says is once we get to a point where the U.S. public believes everything that they believe is false, then we will have been successful in our program. Yep. So what – like we're not even provided enough information to know anything. You know, We are not provided enough information to know exactly what they're doing with the chemtrails, whether they're trying to – create an ice age or terraform the planet or block the frequency of the sun or just to have full spectrum dominance of of our sunlight or to control the weather or or to to alter the human race with this biological contaminant like i i'm i did an interview with sophia smallstorm recently and her recent hypothesis is that the moonlight 
which the moonlight is very cold and it, and it's really it, the moonlight is not the sun bouncing off of a rock that's one thing that 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 we have come to the conclusion of but either way the moonlight it it promotes decomposition it's this it's a necro light it's it's this dark kind of lower vibration light and the sunlight is the the exact opposite okay and so you've got the silver and then this gold light but ultimately they seem to be wanting to make this gold light into silver because the more they spray is you get this silvery light and then this fungus can grow and the molds can grow more in the sunlight but usually you'd have this ebb and flow where the sun kills the mold the moon helps it grow the sun kills the mold but we're now we're not getting that anymore so what what is the ultimate agenda i think it's so multi-purposed and there's so many tears that number one it scares people away but two it's just it's confusing there's no way to really know exactly what the ultimate agenda is but something is going on <laughs> that is really what we need to explain to people and to wake people up and now they're at a point where they're normalizing it to a point that they're convincing us that we need it to stop global warming so at one end of the spectrum, they're saying, chemtrails, you're crazy. They would never do that. They would never spray anything like that. And then they say, guess what? We have patents and we have the ability to spray something like that, but it's going to save you. So when put in that light, it's a totally different story. So you can literally, in one breath, tell the chemtrail conspirator he's crazy, but then tell the solar geoengineer he's a genius but you're talking about the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, it's a, it's a lot. I definitely didn't think we were going to get into flat earth today, but I know a lot of people, Sorry. no, no, no. I know a lot of people have uh, been wishing that I would get back into it. So there's a, a little taste. There's some icing on the cake, but all these agendas that we're talking about in terms of really poisoning the planet, creating an entire biosphere of control, the age-old question is always, well, wouldn't they be doing this to themselves and other people, quote-unquote, in the club? Because it's not as cut and dry as poisonous vaccines that they just wouldn't give to their kids or Roundup-soaked foods that they could just avoid. They have to live here too, don't they? Or maybe they don't. And any question like that that you have, I've heard it and I've heard it a hundred times. Right? I don't, I don't leave the house without a flyer. I'm either promoting the film, promoting my next event, or just passing out flyers that say, look up, wake up, this is climate engineering, this is weather modification, this is solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injection, albedo enhancement. Like these people, people in general, they need to have this door open to them, okay? And so to answer your question very succinctly is... The people spraying, they know what they're spraying. The people in charge of what's being sprayed, they know what's being sprayed. And in that light, they can have the antidote to that. They know how to chelate the heavy metals. They know where not to be when certain things are being sprayed. And if they are contaminated with it, they know what to do to get it out of their bodies. One thing that really turns people off in the chemtrail conversation, which is what the powers that be have done a very good job at framing the conversation, is the whole thing about you're getting sprayed with poison, you're getting sprayed like a bug, okay? 
this may be going on, yes. Okay, they've admitted to spraying lithium over Oregon. All right, there are things that they're doing, biological contaminations, where they do spray certain things on certain populaces to experiment. Okay, this is happening. There is, if you look up Operation Big Itch, this is a real thing where they sprayed fleas, they aerosolized fleas, and sprayed them over cities in Alabama. All right? They aerosolized mosquitoes as well. And now they're aerosolizing ticks. I had an activist reach out to me two days ago in Wisconsin. He collected hundreds of ticks falling from the sky. He was in a field, and the ticks were just raining down. And if you do your research, you'll find out that Lyme's disease was created by the U.S. military and that they've determined that Lyme's can be... Okay, I'm getting off tangent. So either way, they like the simple answer is, why would they be spraying this on themselves? The simple, simple answer is, because they know what they're spraying and they know how to counteract it. You know, the pilots are probably given some pill and they're saying, look, you're doing this for the good of humanity. We need to block out the sun. But here, take this. It won't affect you. You know, that's the simple answer. That's cool. The longer answer is, is <laughs> it gets really deeper and more complex. You know, if they are spraying a biological thing to alter the DNA of humanity, you know, maybe quite possibly the people in charge aren't 100% human. You know, that's something that we need to table. And I think we're getting to a point in our evolution of truth that maybe people can actually conceptualize that. Maybe people can actually conceptualize that in the 60s, that Roswell and all that stuff, that there was technology from an outside influence that came to Earth. And maybe not all of that influence was benevolent, okay? You know, like the fact that people get to just say, why would they do that to, our, to themselves? Why would they do that to their own children? And then think that it's not happening? They sprayed Agent Orange on the Vietnamese. They're still being affected by it, okay? That doesn't mean that people in Washington, D.C. are getting sprayed with the same chemicals. And even if they were, they would know where, they would know when, and they would know the, the antidote to counteract it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that rebuttal, I just it's, it's a hard one. And ultimately, what I, what I say is that if, if they knew exactly what they're spraying, they know exactly how to get it out of their bodies as well. You know, and I can't tell people on the street that it's, you know, potentially interdimensional life forms or something like that. And they're not even here half the time. You know what I mean? And that's all that's all theories in and of itself. But the thing is, is I've gotten to the point of information where I am so deep and entrenched in this rabbit hole where I'm talking to people like Harold Krautsvela, who says that that there's black goo and Morgellons and that these are interdimensional demonic life forms trying to manipulate the human DNA, you know, mm -hmm. but at the same, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really want to go there because I don't have 
the tangibles. I want to make a movie about it. I'm going to find people with Morgellons and I'm going to research and find doctors that are willing to talk about it. And I'll come at it from a perspective of inquiring minds want to know, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that I can do. But yeah, I've, I've, I've heard it all, you know, I've heard it all. And what's really interesting recently, we talk about the social engineering and the programming and the films and how the older films that they're going back and changing them and the films from the 90s are preemptively predicting and predictively programming things like this and even 9-11 and all this stuff is I go up to people now. So each person that I talk to, I look them in the eyes and I determine what level of truth they are ready for. Some people <laughs> I go up to and I go, hey, you know about chemtrails, right? And then all of a sudden we're talking about Harold Krauss Vela and Morgellons and all this stuff and it's an intellectual crazy conversation. But some people I go up to and I say, hey, are you familiar, are you familiar with weather modification? Have you ever seen the lines in the sky? Or if it's like a totally harped out sky, I'll say, hey, did you know they're experimenting with frequencies? You see this looks like a frequency manipulation of your clouds. Do you remember this from your childhood? You know, I, I approach it different ways with different people. Recently, I bring up the media normalization of the agenda for solar radiation management, the agenda to block the sun, to slow down and curb global warming, which is actually in the forefront now. Like when I started this, I thought I was just going to spend my life convincing people that chemtrails are real. I never thought I'd have the ammo to be able to go up to normal people and say, did you see the New York Times article last week? They're pushing forward solar geoengineering to block our sun. And, and so an interesting tidbit is back to the social engineering is a lot of people now say, oh, you mean like the matrix? And I'm like, excuse me? And they go, yeah, the matrix. They blocked out the sun in the matrix. Yeah. And if you go back and watch the matrix, the people are living in a, a mental construct programmed intranet reality, which is the same kind of reality that they could force feed an AI transhumanism agenda. Once we get to the point where we're all connected via AI, they can program our reality. Like we won't even know what reality we live in, which is really discerning. I mean, right. like avoiding this chip and avoiding this transhumanism trip to Mars is humanity's final stand and it's really really interesting scary portion of humanity to experience but we're here this is why we're here at this stage is to kind of bring this truth forward and you know we're very unique and very much a minority in that we're awake to the truth and it's and it's our kind of mission to awaken people it's really it's really interesting especially you thanks for your reach man you have such an awesome reach it's amazing yeah, man. <laughs> no worries. And uh, cheers to all that, man. I totally forgot about the Matrix. The reason the machines are able to take over in the real world is because their last desperate attempt at stopping them was to either nuke the planet or something, but it blocked out the sun. Maybe it was specifically to block out the sun to try to like drain them of their energy. And so then they just enslaved humanity in these little farm pods and that's how the whole story gets started but yeah I, the matrix is so deep with so many hidden messages and clues that i would not just discount that so these summits that you've been doing we got to take a minute to talk about them tell the people what 
is going on with them? When's the next one? Maybe about some of the speakers and other researchers in this field and their expertises, because it's pretty fascinating how everybody's got their own little take on this thing and you put them all together in one conference. I think it's pretty fascinating. Thanks. Yeah. When I first knew that I was going to be making a documentary, I was living in Vancouver, Canada, and I decided to host the first annual Global Chemtrail Summit. I <laughs> I spent all of my money and I catered the event and I packed the house of this conference hall in downtown Vancouver, Canada. I flew in people from Europe and all around the world I had 10 speakers from all different walks of life, authors and researchers, scientific backgrounds, all this stuff. And the ultimate goal was to bring all of this information together in a professional way to start the conversation and to not talk about aliens, <laughs> right? And to not look like a bunch of crazy people, right? So we got together on May 7th of last year and it was a huge success. So many people came there thinking that they would leave knowing that chemtrails weren't real and they left with this arsenal of information and truth and their lives were changed forever. So some highlights of the Vancouver 2016 were we had Terry Lawton from Ireland. He has since then started his own website, climatechangeagenda.com. Very eloquent speaker. I encourage you to go check out his website. Amazing that this man woke up to chemtrails. He lives in rural Ireland. The closest village of 50 people was an hour away. And he <laughs> just had this, call it divine purpose, call it whatever you want. First, he woke up to fluoride. There was this imaginary line where fluoride was and wasn't in County Wexford in Ireland. People in the fluoridated county were getting all these statistically significantly high levels of cancer. People in the non-fluoridated weren't getting the cancer. And he just woke up to fluoride and got really upset and started going with it. And one day someone said to him, do you know about chemtrails? And he started looking up and then now that's his life passion. And he just can't stop, won't stop. And he's just a normal guy, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, he's not some crazy person that believes in aliens. He's just a normal Irishman who woke up. And having all these different personalities on stage really was impactful for people to see, like, oh, wow. Like, all these different people all eloquently disclosing their research and explaining how they came to the same conclusions. We also had Ilana Freeland at both of the conferences. She is amazing. She has a book. It's, her book is just packed with information. Every 10 pages, you just have to step back and rub your eyes because it's just, she is just amazing, the impact that she has had on the movement. Her new book is about the space fence and takes it to the whole next level. Her presentation in Portland at the second Global Chemtrail Summit on also May 7th of this year, 2017, she went dove right into the space fence and got really advanced in her talk. She's amazing. We had a retired U.S. Air Force weatherman speaking at this conference this year, 
Both years we had Patrick Roddy speaking. Patrick Roddy is an activist out of San Francisco. He has a website, stopsprayingus.com. Stopsprayingus.com is amazing because he is constantly getting rainwater analysis. This is like his thing. He's always analyzing the rainwater and it's always concurring and cross-examining the rainwater with the patents and they match up, you know? And he's also finding things in the rainwater like 10 times the safe levels of titanium and all these different correlations that inevitably lead us down this path. Um, I'm going to get sidetracked, but I, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll go to the present day. So just past the May 7th in Portland, we had the second Global Chemtrail Summit. The thing about these summits that is the most important part are it's the people that are coming there that are just so curious that they've been drawn to it. And they come and they learn some stuff and that's all great. But ultimately, during the interludes, during the receptions, these people meet one another. And it's not what I realized this past year is that's the most important part is because these people come alone. They couldn't convince a family member. They couldn't convince a coworker. They mm -hmm. come alone because they are these truthers that have awoken to something and not even their spouse is awake. But they come to this conference. They're surrounded by hundreds of people that are also awake. And during the interlude, they mingle and they realize that they're all normal, sane, nice, like-minded people. And I had 80-year-old women from different walks of life coming together and forming groups, you know, whereas they never would have found each other before. And these people are having these deep, involved conversations and starting local groups and coming to these affirmations and conclusions that are just so important because the, the activist community online, it's not the same as meeting people in person and really shaking someone's hand and having that, that source to, to, you know, that, that connection, that connection. So one thing that was amazing at the Portland summit is I had a few people speak out and say, can I, can I please come up on stage? I've got something I want to say. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, if, if you've got some truth to share, let's do it. We had a nurse get on stage and she talked about just all of the different ailments that have just been popping up that are all connected to this respiratory infections that correlate with the spraying. But most specifically and impactful was this gentleman out of Southern California that stood up. And he was so well researched. And he was a normal guy. He's from Santa Cruz. Sorry. He stood up and he said, listen, follow the money. And he, in his five-minute eloquent speech, he blew my mind. I've been researching this for half a decade, almost every day of research, and he blew my mind. He said, he, he pinpointed the power companies. And what I've just now researched and realized is, for instance, this tropospheric aerosol program from 2000, it was funded by the Department of Energy and GE they're the ones behind a lot of the research from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s. The U.S. energy companies 
are behind a lot of this. And then I met Raphael O'Neill, who came from New Orleans, and she was one of the speakers. And she has a book, Funny Clouds, a children's book, okay, for the children, talking about the funny clouds. And she was coming to these epiphanies that through the power plants, they're super saturating the atmosphere by releasing these plumes of moisture. And then these plumes of moisture can be targeted and you can you can use these to create the clouds and all this stuff. And that the energy that the power plants are so intricately and involved that if you follow the money and you see what this one gentleman exposed was these coal fire power plants. They have these filters on them. And what they do is they collect the soot. And, they, and what it ends up being is all this nanoparticulate soot. But in that nanoparticulate soot that they wash out and it becomes a slurry, it's, it's filled with nanoparticulate aluminum, nanoparticulate strontium, barium, titanium, all these things that are in these patents that are also showing up in the rainwater. And what they do is they take that on train cars directly from the power plants directly to the Air Force bases. And if you follow the money, the Air Force is paying for these chemicals to show up on their doorstep. So I did a presentation in Eugene, Oregon back in October 20th of last year. A woman, she stood up at the end of the presentation with her five children, a Native American woman. She stood up and she was very eloquent, very adamant that she knew the trains, she knew where they were coming from, and she had followed these trains from the power plants to the Air Force bases, and that these trains were filled with these chemicals, and some of the chemicals were leaking, and she got the chemicals tested, and it was the same exact chemicals that were showing up in the rainwater, same exact nanoparticulate metallics that were patented. And she mm. wanted all of us to go stop these trains. Well, guess what? This guy from, from Santa Cruz, he was trying to get everybody at the Portland conference rallied together to go stop these trains because he found this really easy connection that no one else had ever shown to me. And he showed the exact power companies, how much they were paying, and where the chemicals were going. And he wanted people to just to go stop these trains and that, that would make it on the news and all this stuff. And I didn't really want to rally everybody out to the train tracks that day. But the thing was, was it was a really easy aha moment because it is pretty obvious. They take, they take the nanoparticulate slurry from the coal fire burn plants and they just have to filter out what they want. And then they have it right there from the power plant to the U.S. Air Force base. They put it on the planes and they go spray us. So ultimately what they were doing is they were taking this coal fire power plant slurry filtered nanoparticulates they were taking them they were putting them in big balloon type things and burying them and now they don't do that anymore they're not disposing of the byproducts they're just giving it to the military industrial complex to refine to magnetize or whatever and to spray over the sky and zap us but that's where they're getting the material from so ultimately you go to the source, and if, you know, I'm not saying to create a revolution quite yet and block these trains, but we know where they're coming from. We know that they're buying it and all this stuff. So if you can connect it that way and connect the dots so easily, it makes it 
so much more tangible for people. So yeah, a lot of a lot of awakenings, a lot of a lot of information and a lot of coming together in unity and for people to come into these conferences expecting something really out there and crazy and to leave with a plethora of information. And this last one, we the Global Chemtrail Summit Portland, we documented every single speaker. We have all of it archived online. You can look up I mean, I really appreciate everybody's. My speech was, I thought was really nice. I really dig into the media and how the media is controlled and all that. But all that stuff is online to share around. And I'll be doing it again. Every single year I'll be doing a Global Chemtrail Summit. And in between now and then I'll be doing smaller events to raise awareness. And the Global Chemtrail Summit will be in a new city every year. And in between then I'll be screening the film and filming the sequel and getting together as many people and raising as much truth as possible. Right on, man. Beautiful. I do love those breakdowns of the cliff notes of particular researchers' material when going through like a, a conference roster like that. It's just pretty mind-blowing. And so because of the nature of the show being pre-recorded, do you have anything coming in July or August in the, in the summer that you'd want to talk about or r- fill people in on? I I, I wish I could plan that far ahead. <laughs> For me, it's kind of one thing at a time. I'm on a shoestring budget, so I'm just I'm just looking to the next event and the next event after that. Right now, it's the premiere of the film this weekend in Salem, Oregon. Then I'm screening the film in British Columbia in Canada in a few places. And then I'm screening the film in Utah. And then I, I'll be in L.A. I'll be in San Diego and I'll be screening the film. I don't know the exact locations yet, but definitely Southern California needs to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And from there, I'm all over the place. You know, I want to get the film picked up by Gaia. I want to get the film picked up by Netflix. I want everybody and their mom to know about the movie, to see the movie, to look up, to wake up. Boom. <laughs> Well, holy hell, man. I think we covered everything pretty thoroughly. Thanks for uh, letting me squeeze a little extra juice out of you past the two-hour mark. And you're very knowledgeable. I really respect your dedication and passion. Before we fully close the books, remind people where your website is and where to see the film, the password you generously shared, anything else you want them to know uh, about getting involved in your work or following your work before we close it out. Please, even though Facebook has been censoring and and I know that I have this new algorithm assigned to me that has some insane scrutiny and censorship. Please follow me on Facebook. I've very much struggled to reach 22,000 followers on Facebook. Facebook is not an easy place to get followers. Please follow me on Facebook. Matt Landman is my name, L-A-N-D-M-A-N. Also, I've just launched a website, actualactivists, plural, dot com, actualactivists.com. It's going to be totally changing as I grow as a web designer and I get some other people on board, but it's an amazing resource for information already. If you go there, I can almost guarantee there's something that you don't know, something to learn, whether it's about the Sulfagio scale or GCMAF or alkaline diet, vaccines, chemtrails, GMO, and on the front page of actualactivist.com, there's a link. You can click there. It says, click here for Frankenstein's movie sneak preview of the director's cut. And you click there, and it prompts you for a password. 
please enjoy my movie for a limited time only for free. It's the director's cut, and the password is clear blue skies, all one word. Nice. All lowercase too, right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Dude, it's been a real pleasure, man. Uh, keep fighting the good fight out there and keep doing what you do. Hey, you do the same, Greg. Thanks for so much. Thank you for having me, and thanks for being you, man. <laughs> My pleasure.